0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is episode 302 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow our social pages on Twitter and (laughs) Twitter slash X uh, and Facebook. Good to be back with you folks this week. Uh, Obviously, didn't have a guest Friday last week. Uh, it's good to be back uh, in, good, good to be back like a week or so later. Uh, we'll have a guest Friday this week. Uh, do have a returning guest coming by to uh, talk Celtics. Uh, pretty interesting week for the Celtics, um, I would say. You know, I think finishing uh, finishing off their home stand. got the trade deadline on Thursday. So uh, quite a bit of stuff going on for them uh, this week. So we'll get into more. Um, I think depending on the timing of Guest Friday this week, may talk, you know, a preview of the trade deadline, may do a recap depending on when we uh, have the Guest Friday, but we will have that for you um, on Friday this week, so you can look forward to that. Um, And I think, ironically, we're going to get going with uh, the Celtics to start today's program on uh, February 5th, and obviously... uh, Talking about the Celtics and talking about the game last night, you know, I think that the uh, basketball game may have been kind of a secondary thing last night with uh, the Grizzlies coming to town, Marcus Smart coming back, um, you know, obviously not playing, but I think still was kind of an emotional return, um, you know, a player that I think, if you think about recent Celtics history, you know, really, I think in the post Post Paul Pierce era. Um, you know, I think Marcus Smart is one of those, you know, players that really represents the last, you know, decade or so um, of this team. And I think just seeing a, a, the way that the fans really appreciated him, I think was great to see. Um, and I think it was good to see that I think still just has. The, the people of this city and I think he, everyone really, you know, the fans, organization, everyone just has great love and respect for him. And I think it was uh, really nice just to see him back in Boston, back in the garden. You know, I think definitely still weird that he's not on this team because uh, I think he's been such kind of an important player on this team. Really been the kind of fabric of this team for so long. And, you know, seeing him not playing for the Celtics is is still weird, but I think it was great to see him back um, at the Garden, you know, great video tribute, great way to um, honor his dedicated work um, in the city of Boston off the court. And I think one of those players that I think really took to the city of Boston and, you know, it's always so interesting when you see rookies from any sport, you know, come in, come to Boston and, you know, become part of This city, um, you know, when you think about any players, you know, Patriots players, Red Sox players, whoever, um, but there are very few players that, you know, immediately become a part of the city's fabric. And I think Marcus was one of those people. And I think, you know, that's why I think the, there was so much of kind of an emotional, kind of really an emotional attachment to him I think just based on the great things that he did in the community and you know I think meant a lot to the team and I think sure I think there are a lot of people that would have hoped that he could have been here to bring the city a championship I think just the way that the way that he's played and you know the blue collar mentality the highlights of him just playing harder than anyone else on the court you know it was really awesome to see some of those highlights on the jumbotron last night when you think about you know all those crazy plays that he made diving on the floor taking offensive or taking charges and blocking shots and doing all the dirty you know grimy defensive work that he really took pride in so um, it just was nice to see you know him getting some recognition you know well deserved and i think You know, yeah, you think about this team, I think that in a way that I think a lot of people would agree the Celtics are probably a better team now, Um, you know, and I think that that's kind of always difficult when you have a player like that that meant so much. But you can clearly see that they are, you know, a better team with Porzingis on the team, um, you know, as opposed to still having Marcus Smart, but you know what, that's not really important. I think what was important was, you know, last night him coming back and, you know, seeing that appreciation from the crowd. So I think the game itself, Celtics, I think, really uh, turned it on the way that they should have Um, in that Lakers game Thursday night. You know, I think that coming off of Monday and Tuesday where they played some games that I think really took a lot out of them I think the way that they were able to finish in the Pelicans game you know coming back after being behind for most of the game um, and then having to finish off the Pacers after they came back from 20 points down um, you know I think really having to do a lot in those two games I think may have taken something out of them and Could have been part of the reason why they came out so flat uh, Thursday night. But I think that, you know, this is a team that is so talented that, you know, we really shouldn't be making excuses for them. Um, That I think this is a team that is a championship contender. They know that they are. And I think that there's games like the Lakers game that, you know, I think games like this still happen. I think it's fewer and far between than, you know, used to happen. Um, But I think it's still concerning when the Celtics come into games like this for whatever reason um, and just don't have the right mentality. And it's, you know, clear you can see from the start, you know, the way that they turn the ball over and, you know, we're not being smart defensively and just kind of not playing with great energy, you know, and I think it was, kind of looked very similar to the Clippers game Um, you know the Celtics obviously were able to make it a little bit more interesting the rest of the game the Lakers just kept making threes which kind of was wild to watch because they're near the bottom of the league and three pointers made so that was definitely a strange game but I think you know there are games like that that the Celtics need to come out with better energy and I think you think about some of their last some of their last home games. You know, obviously they lost to Denver a couple weeks ago. The Clippers lost. Now the Lakers lost. You know, I do think that that Denver game was not necessarily a game that they didn't play well. Um, I think that the both Los Angeles games are examples of games where they didn't come out with the right, you know, mentality. Um, and I have to be honest. You know, I think that. Games like that do concern me to a certain point, but I think, you know, there's something interesting that Joe Zula had said that, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think it may have upset a lot of fans uh, with it, with his reaction to that. But, you know, basically was talking about how the Lakers' loss actually may be good for them. Um, and I kind of agreed with that because I think the Celtics are a team that, they're so good and so talented that like they expect to go out and win every single night and I think sometimes that can be dangerous because you can go in thinking, okay, well we're just going to win this game you know. and I think that that kind of crept in to the Lakers game just in the sense that, okay, AD and LeBron don't play maybe there was some thought of letting your guard down Um, and I think that games like that can be a challenge um, and I kind of think that that's what Joe was referring to when he was talking about kind of being being excited about that, that, you know, here's a game that you can come in that, you know, games like that can be a challenge where a team doesn't have their best players and you have to, you know, find ways to get motivated and I think because this team has done so well this season has only lost 12 games. We're in February. We're still kind of in the dog days of the season. I think that there are ways that you can you come up with ways to challenge your team. And I think games like that can be challenges. And I think, you know, if the Celtics are going to win 60 games this year or win, whatever the amount is, they're going to be much more used to winning. And I think sometimes you can learn more about yourself when you lose versus when you win and i think it might be good for the celtics to kind of go through some i don't want to say adversity but going through losses like that where they're like okay we did not approach this game correctly how can we do better the next game and i think the celtics they's it a similar situation last night playing against a memphis team that was you know decimated by injuries beyond anything I've ever seen. Um, but it's like that in and of itself can be a challenge. You know, getting up for a game where a majority of the Grizzlies roster is two-way players and 10-day contracts. You know, and obviously it's a different level of talent than the Lakers roster, but I think it's a similar idea where it's like, okay, this team is very shorthanded, but they're still going to try to play hard. And to the Grizzlies' credit, they played hard for I would say about maybe the first 18, 20 minutes of last night's game. And then the Celtics took over. But I think games like the Lakers game can be good in terms of showing you that, okay, we're not invincible. You know, there are games where it's possible that we come out and don't play our best. So, you know, I think, as I've said, games like that this year, have been few and far between. Obviously, I've had two of these games recently, but I think it's kind of something where... uh, kind of is, to me, similar to what the season the Bruins had last year, is perhaps maybe they didn't go through enough, you know, losing, or, you know, a time that was difficult, because when you win 65 games out of 82... You know that's not really too much of a challenge. So you know, I think it's important for Celt- the Celtics to go through challenges like that game. Um, and I know it was disappointing. I know it's frustrating because they should be much more focused and you know games like that shouldn't happen. but hey, you play 82 games, you're gonna have games like that that you just don't have it. Uh, but I think it's important to recognize okay, we didn't come out with the right energy. We didn't come out with the right focus. Let's find a way we can correct that. And the Celtics obviously corrected it last night. And then they finish up the homestand with games against the Hawks and the Wizards. Um, And then they will travel down to Miami on Super Bowl Sunday to play the Heat. So I think for the Celtics going forward, it's just continuing to kind of build good habits and eliminate the things that are, you know, bad habits. It's, you know, being better in the third quarters, you know, continuing to keep turnovers down, you know, finding a balance between attacking the basket and, you know, shooting threes. And I think last night, Jason Tatum had a really good, a really good balance of both of, taking it to the basket, taking threes, um, and being aggressive. And I thought, you know, you look at the way he was scoring it, shooting threes, driving to the basket, getting to the free throw line, setting up other guys, rebounding the basketball. And I think, you know, that was one of those games last night where you can see the flashes of him playing like an MVP type of player. Don't think that he wins the MVP this year, but I think – playing like that is exactly what makes you think that okay this is a guy that's going to win an mvp at some point you know playing and playing at a high level in every aspect of the game Um, and i thought that he was really really solid and you know i think for this team last night playing against memphis you know i think that they imposed their will the way that they should have against the lakers and then you know, had the backups play in the fourth quarter, which I think was great. I think it gives them an opportunity to play some extended minutes. You know, Keita has been awesome playing the minutes that he's played. Um, And Jordan Walsh, great to see him get into the action last night, uh, getting a dunk for his first basket in the NBA. So that was really neat. But I think getting extended minutes, you know, for this bench, I think is is critical because I think it may give the Celtics an idea about, okay, you know, how do we approach the trade deadline? Um, If, you know, with our bench performing, whether they perform night in and night out, they think, you know, it's something they just have to think about whether they have confidence in, you know, if you think about the, the, the typical starting five, and then the guys coming off the bench, do you have enough confidence that you can find the offense with that group. And I think, you know, that's kind of the thing the Celtics have to answer this week. Um, You know, is there someone out there that can fit, um, you know, into the salary constraints that they have, um, but also someone that can, you know, step in and fill somewhat of a role, but not to the point that it, you know, upsets the chemistry. So it'll be interesting. You know, I think that there's a chance the Celtics may not do anything. I would think that they explore some options. You know, we've talked about a couple players recently, uh, Najee Marshall from Atlanta, or uh, from New Orleans, excuse me, um, and Sadiq Bay from Atlanta. So I think those are a couple players to keep your eye on. Um, I would think that it's another wing player that they're looking at, you know, someone that can, spell Tatum and Brown um, and kind of just give you someone that can give you a little bit more offense if, you know, Pritchard and Hauser don't have it going. You know, and last night I thought it was an example. Pritchard had a hard time shooting the ball, but, you know, I think it's not to say I don't have confidence in him and Hauser, but I think that you may want to consider adding someone else so that, you know, you can look to them when, your energy bench guys maybe don't have it. So um, that'll be interesting to see. But I think, yeah, Celtics have five games until the All-Star break. Two at home against Atlanta and Washington. And then they're on the road against Miami and Brooklyn. And then they finish the first, well, finish the unofficial first half with a home game against Brooklyn on Valentine's Day. So it would be interesting to see how the trade deadline is approached. You know, I think it will be interesting to see other moves in the NBA as well, how that affects the Celtics. But I think this team is in a good spot. So I think whatever they decide, you know, I think will make sense. You know, I think people might be upset if they don't make a trade. But I think that you consider the constraints that they have, it's not exactly the easiest thing to do. But you know, here we are 50 games into the season, 32 to go, and I think it's really just making sure this team is healthy and, you know, ready to go, building good habits before uh, the postseason in April. So I think we're going to move on from the Celtics, talk a little bit about the Patriots, and yes, uh, Patriots have found an offensive coordinator, so um, Alex Van Pelt hired as the Patriots' offensive coordinator a couple of days ago. It was uh, f- formerly with the Browns for the last four years as their offensive coordinator. So, um, obviously that Browns team last year went through quite a bit of you know injuries and kind of poor play at quarterback and. You know, yes, this was the team that basically picked up Joe Flacco uh, off, the, off the street. And, you know, Flacco actually, for some parts of the season, performed really well. Um, this was a Browns team that won 11 games, 12 games last year. Um, so I think some experience here with Van Pelt, I think, coaching with a bunch of different teams, um, as quarterbacks coach, um, you know, I think I don't, I kind of don't really have too much of a reaction. I mean, I think it's someone that they hired. I thought it was interesting, though, that there never really was any rumors about him interviewing, you know, for the Patriots uh, coordinator position. So that was kind of interesting. But I think, you know, someone that I think has experience working with a number of different quarterbacks. Um, he worked with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and so the connection here is kind of interesting. So he, uh, Van Pelt, worked with the Patriots director of scouting, Elliot Wolf, um, in Green Bay. So they both uh, worked together for a couple of years. And the Patriots are also looking at some other offensive coaches as well, for possibly the offensive line and maybe another position. So, that's the offensive side. Patriots are hiring, Jeremy Springer as their special teams coordinator. Um, he had been with the Rams the last couple of years, and the Rams, not exactly the best, special teams unit. They actually had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, had one of the worst, special teams, years, like in a lot like like history either last year or two years ago. So, you know, I think who knows, who knows if that's really coaching, who knows if that's personnel, but you know, it's a person the Patriots have hired. And I think, you know, for my, I think in my opinion, the jury is out on all these coaches. I don't really have opinions on, oh, whether this is great or whether this is bad. You know, I'm kind of just gonna kind of have a wait and see approach because in my opinion players win in this league and I think like if you have the right combination of players typically you're going to be a good team and I just not going to get too high or too low based on the hires that they make I mean you know it could be good especially with the offensive coordinator it could be good to have someone different on this team but kind of going to hold judgment until we see what the roster looks like until we see what kinds of things that they try to implement uh, going to more of a west coast system throwing the ball a little bit more you know maybe changing the way that you look at different players when you're evaluating them whether you're looking at you know a different quarterback or wide receivers or offensive linemen so I think it'll be interesting, but, you know, I'm not going to not gonna sit here and say, oh, my God, this is a great hire or this is a bad hire. I mean, I think Van Pelt, when you look at his track record over the last couple of years in Cleveland, the offenses are kind of middle of the pack. You know, I think the Patriots just can't have an offense like last year. It just can't look like that. Um, And so I think, you know, if you could just, you know, theoretically get this offense to be a little bit more consistent, you know, finishing in the red zone, limiting turnovers and things like that, I think there's no reason to think that you can't be a much better football team next season. You know, I think a lot's going to depend on the personnel that you bring in. You know, what does the quarterback room look like? I think that there's reason to believe it could drastically change. Or, you know, there's reason to believe that maybe it kind of stays more of the same. I would hope it doesn't. I would hope that there's a little bit more of a change, but who knows? You know, with the offensive linemen, do the Patriots identify different guys? Do they choose, you know, not to sign some of their current free agents based on maybe the types of things that they want to do offensively. So um, it's a lot of moving parts. I mean, I think really kind of hard to know what this offense looks like. Um, But I think it's at least good that the Patriots have, I think for the most part, completed their basic hirings, you know, and now it's just kind of like filling out other, you know, small positions. Um, But I think New coordinator on offense, I think, made sense. New coordinator on defense, I think, also made sense. But I think it made sense to keep, you know, in-house in terms of your defensive coordinator, that it should be someone in-house because they think that's the one part of your team that you should try to keep consistent, you know, based on how good they were for almost the entire season. So, you know, I think... Clearly, things will look a little bit different. There's obviously news this morning that Steve Belichick has taken a job at the University of Washington uh, to coach their defense. So Patriots will be without him. No word on uh, Brian Belichick, but I think it's safe to assume that he probably won't be back. So, you know, it'll be a little bit different, but I think, you know, Mayo and Covington have experience working together. So I think that, Shouldn't see too much change um, on defense. Um, be interesting to see that how they approach signing some of their current free agents that they have. I think Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, probably the two biggest ones on defense. And then on offense, I think it's Ezekiel Elliott, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Hunter Henry, Michael Wenu. It going to be interesting to see how they approach those diff- those guys. And. Maybe they bring them back, maybe they don't, but I think it's good to know that the Patriots have at least, you know, filled out some of a staff, but I don't think I'm ready to be convinced whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because you kind of just got to wait and see, you know, how it gets implemented, what are the types of players that they bring in, so um, I think it's probably going to do it, that was really the only Patriot news that dropped last week about the coordinator and obviously today about Steve Belichick. So I think we're going to move on, talk about the Bruins who have been um, off since last week and David Pasternak and Jeremy Swayman participated in the all-star game, Uh, Swayman and Pasternak's team. So Pasternak played on Team McDavid this weekend, and Swayman was on Team McKinnon. They did uh, go against each other a couple times as, uh, I think, yeah, the Pasternak's team rallied from a two-goal deficit. They scored two goals in the final minute to tie the game, and then Pasternak uh, scored the shootout winner against Swayman. So that was kind of some fun ribbing, it looks like, after the game. Um, And so Team Matthews ended up winning the team coached by uh, Jim Montgomery. So that was kind of cool. But I think just a great honor for Swayman in particular to uh, be there at the All-Star game, fourth round pick of the Bruins in 2017. I think that, you know, I'd be curious if he ever thought that he'd be participating in an All-Star game. So uh, that was pretty neat for him, you know, Posternak. I think fun for him and I think it just is very cool to see how much other players in the league really like Pasta and really like respect his game and are really wanting to play with him I thought that was fascinating during the all-star draft that you know McDavid and Dryside all the two uh, captains of their team really wanted to take him and I think it just shows you a lot of a lot of people in the league think Pasternak's a really good player and I think that you know, I kind of tend to take the word of players and how they talk about other players versus, you know, other people. And I'm not saying other people say Pasternak isn't good, but I think there are some times where people can be a little bit too critical of his game. And it's like, you know, he's one of the best players in the league. I think top five player in the league. I don't think that that's crazy to say. So uh, just a knee weekend, I think, for both Swayman and Pasta and Jim Montgomery, I think. Really neat to see, you know, this Bruins team kind of just at that, that next next wave, I guess, because I think was interesting, you know, all those years that Chara was there doing the the hardest shot, that was kind of the Bruins' really only representation, you know, really other than maybe Savard a couple times, maybe Bergeron and Martian a couple times, but I think neat to see kind of this new wave of Bruins um so you know obviously no major bruins news you know they start uh, pick back up tomorrow with the game against calgary i'm curious about you know after this break how do the bruins come out because it's funny because the last time the bruins had this kind of extended break they were coming off a losing streak had lost four in a row um, and then they come back from the Christmas break and play some really good hockey and won, six out of or five out of six, you know, then did lose three in a row. But I think since then, that overtime loss to Vegas, the Bruins are seven out of eight, They've won seven out of eight and going into this break at thirty one, nine, and nine with tied for the most points in the league. I think be interesting to see, you know, how this the timing of this break comes because the Bruins were off for um I mean, it'll be ten days I think so it will be interesting to see if there's a little bit of rust but the good thing is the Bruins are home and they're home for seven in a row so I'll be able to get their game back but I think you know Calgary's a team that kind of in the middle of selling off a lot. Um, They did just trade uh, Elias Pettersson, or excuse me, Elias Lindholm. They just traded him to Vancouver, the Bruins' next opponent after Calgary. So that will be an interesting matchup Thursday with the Canucks coming to the Garden. Um, And then the Bruins will play Washington Saturday afternoon. So I think looking forward to that Vancouver game, I think Vancouver in my opinion has been the most uh, surprising team in the league this year uh, shooting to the top of the league are actually tied with the bruins for the most points so that should be a really interesting game i don't know if i go as far as to say it's a finals preview and some people might say some people might say that but should be a good game you know and i think for the bruins similar to the celtics it's you know building up your game making sure that you're building good habits and playing your best as you approach, you know, the trade deadline and then approaching the end of the regular season. Bruins have, look at it right now, 33 games left before the end of the season. So be interesting to see their approach at the trade deadline, but I think, you know, like the Celtics, they kind of have a similar issue in terms of not really being in a position to spend a lot of money. So, you know, I think unless the Bruins sell a, you know, major part of their roster, like someone like DeBrusque, for example, they're probably not going to have a lot of space. So I don't think that they're going to trade DeBrusque. I think I just use that as an example. I don't think they're going to trade him, I think. He's been really, really solid recently, I think, especially in that stretch of the the last month of the season between the, the twenty seventh of December and the twenty seventh of January, um, and just how solid he's been, um, so I think, he's not someone you get rid of, uh, to be perfectly honest, um, you know, and then I think, you know, how do they, integrate Patra back, you know, is that someone that, do they continue to let him play some games. Do they possibly send him back to juniors? I guess maybe that's a possibility. Um, But I think it's making sure that your defense is healthy and playing well, because I think that's the one area that could be a problem for them in the postseason. I think just the amount of high danger chances they're giving up this season uh, to the goaltending and the goaltending has been great, but I think at a certain point it's, they're giving up too much, and I think really need to be able to batten down the hatches uh, defensively and become that, you know, shut down defensive group. Um, but I think will be interesting to see how they approach the trade deadline, which I think is in early March. Um, you know, I don't think that this is a team that really has the ability to make a huge move huge moves like they did last season. Um, So I wouldn't expect something like that. But, you know, I think you consider where this team is right now. And, you know, who knows? Ownership may think that this team's in a better position to win than I think that they are. You know, I think, obviously, look at their record, and they've been good. But it's just like, I don't know if this is something that they can really keep up for the last 30 games. And who knows, maybe they do. Maybe they continue to play unbelievable and and, prove that they are like a legitimate number one seed. Um, But it'll be interesting the last 30-some-odd games. See where they line up in terms of who they might play in the playoffs. But I think, you know, it'll be interesting. Hope that they can come back with not as much... Rust, as you might think, although it may be that they take a couple games um, to get going as they face Calgary, Vancouver, Washington. And then next week, they got Tampa Bay, Seattle, Los Angeles, and Dallas. So a couple of West Coast teams that are coming in with a lot to prove. So we're looking forward to those games. But yes, Calgary tomorrow night, Vancouver Thursday night and then Washington Saturday afternoon. So that's going to do it for the Bruins. Not a whole lot of info going on with the Bruins as they've continued to be off, but they'll be back in action tomorrow night. So we're going to move on. There's a little bit of Red Sox news that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, there's no player movement to the continued disappointment of Uh, most fans, but uh, the news last week that uh, Theo Epstein is joining Fenway Sports Group as a part owner and senior advisor, I think got a lot of people excited that uh, a familiar face coming back to the Red Sox organization into the front office and, you know, someone that I think can give invaluable advice to Craig Breslow and the people running the team. So, you know, I think... I don't know if there's going to be, like, a drastic change in the next couple of weeks before the season starts. You know, I think just Theo being a part-time advisor, not thinking that it's going to drastically change what happens, but um, it will kind of be interesting to see, you know, him giving advice about what the Red Sox should or shouldn't do. And I think hopefully bringing him back into the fold gets this ownership group to be... A little bit more serious about the baseball side, um, and it'll be a little bit more serious about winning, which I think, unfortunately, that's kind of gone to the wayside the last couple of years. Um, but I think it's 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 good news. I think it's good news. I think for the first time, this off season, people have you know seen a news development that you know everyone agrees is good. Everyone agrees is positive. Now I don't know if this means that Theo is going to become you know the owner of the team anytime soon. But I think him giving advice, him being in that in that front office is going to be good for this team as they you know try to build a World Series contender, which I think should be the goal. You know I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I don't even know if they're a playoff team this year, but I think it's 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 a good good development. So no uh, revolution stuff to get to. Although there was an announcement yesterday that FIFA um, has announced the sites or like which games will be at which sites for the twenty twenty six World Cup, and there are quite a few games coming to Gillette Stadium. There will be five group stage matches um, and then two knockout games. So yet seven games coming to Gillette in this in the summer of 2026. Uh, So that will be pretty exciting. So that was news yesterday. So the US national team, it sounds like will play their group games out west in the California area. So maybe seeing some other countries here, Gillette, but pretty exciting stuff for the uh, for Foxborough. So I think before we get into the other sports, the other non-Boston stuff, I do want to let you know that the men's uh, Beanpot tournament starts tonight at the Garden. A couple of games: Harvard and Northeastern at five, and then BU and BC at eight. BU and BC will be quite a game. They play two games. About a week a week ago, and it was their first or the first matchup with um, the first time in the matchup's history that it was number one versus number two. Um, so we'll see another edition of that rivalry tonight at eight o'clock. Uh, so Harvard Northeastern will get things going at five o'clock and then the winners advance to the championship, which will be next next Monday night. So we're going to get to some other notes from around Sports World. The uh, Pro Bowl games wrapped up last night with the NFC beating the AFC. They had played a series of skills competitions. And then the Pro Bowl itself, which is a flag football competition. So I think flag football, a nice, I think just a nice change of pace, not, you know, something that, yeah, I thought the Pro Bowl was always kind of difficult because it's like on one hand, it's a fun, it was a, you know, fun game to watch with all, you know, the best players in the league playing in a game, but, you know, then it's like, okay, there's serious injury risk that guys playing in a game that, you know, doesn't matter for all intents and purposes. So, I think it was smart to go the flag football route. And I think, you know, also with it becoming an Olympic sport in a number of years, I think it was, you know, just a fun idea to kind of change it up and make it so it's interesting and more, you know, fun for the fans. So definitely, I think the step step in the right direction. So some other... Some other news from around the NFL. So obviously Steve Belichick taking the defensive coordinator job at the University of Washington. The commanders are hiring Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator. Kind of interesting there. Wondering if the the commanders are hoping that they can get a chance to take Caleb Williams. um, As Kingsbury had worked at USC. This past year, the Raiders are expected to name uh, Luke Getzey as their offensive coordinator. Uh, he had interviewed with, for the Patriots job a couple of weeks ago. And Anthony Weaver has been hired as the Dolphins' new defensive coordinators. He was formerly with the Ravens. And then obviously, we got the uh, Super Bowl. week from yesterday that will go on and I think it should be a uh, I think it should be a very good game in Vegas 630 start on CBS 49ers against the Chiefs Um, I think personally with looking at this rematch of the 49ers and Chiefs which I humbly was able to predict no just kidding (laughs) although I did predict it um, I think it may go differently this time around I think that San Francisco Top to bottom, I think the better team, and I think has been the better team start to finish this year. Um, and I think something to be said for the 49ers, you know, finishing the job that they weren't able to finish uh, four years ago. This is not going to be an easy game, though. I think with the way that the Chiefs are playing with the chip on their shoulder, mm-hmm. this is a really hard team to beat. Um, and I think, you know, this is a game that I think, could be a high scoring game but i also think the chiefs defense has been really really good and i think you know i kind of have concerns about Brock Purdy going up against a spagnolo defense because as a patriots fan i know firsthand how difficult spagnolo coach defense can be um and so i think for the 49ers it's finding a way to establish the run and stick to it kind of like the way the bills were able to kind of was odd the way that the Ravens didn't really run the ball as much as maybe they could have in the AFC championship so I think San Francisco will run the ball a lot with McCaffrey um, but I do think it's gonna come down to Brock Purdy you know if he plays a good game doesn't turn the ball over is efficient I think the 49ers have a great chance to win If he looks like a young quarterback in the Super Bowl and makes a lot of mistakes, I don't think they have a chance. Um, I think that, you know, Mahomes is going to be Mahomes and he's going to do what he's going to do. So I think the 49ers have to do their absolute best to come away with touchdowns in the red zone and make things difficult for that offense. So I expect a good game. I expect a close game, but I think the 49ers make enough plays, and I think they end up winning, but I do think this is going to be a really close, really tightly contested game. Uh, 27-24, I think, could be the final score. May come down to a last-minute field goal or something like that, but I think we're going to see a good game on Sunday in Vegas. So I think, yeah, I'm going to move on to some other notes to move on to the nba joel Embiid will be undergoing a knee procedure um, and will miss quite a bit of time i think that with the time that he he's missing may not be eligible f- for the mvp award as there's that new rule this season that you have to play at least 65 games to be eligible for um, awards so Kind of too bad with MB playing the way that he's played this year, but um, you know I think it'll be important for Philadelphia to get him back healthy before the playoffs. Uh, Bradley Beal showed up to or showed up in his return to uh, DC yesterday with the Suns as he scored forty three points in the Suns' win his first game back since being traded over the off season. The Bucs win their first game with Doc Rivers as the coach. They won a couple nights ago. They lost last night, but he will be the all star game coach in the Eastern Conference. As I think, I think actually how it works is usually it's the number one seed that the coach goes. Uh, But since Joe Missoula had the Celtics as the number one seed at this time last year, he won't be going again. So Doc Rivers will be going coaching the Eastern Conference, and uh, Steph Curry put up 60 points the other night in the Warriors' loss. So we're going to take a quick look at the standings. Celtics maintaining the healthy lead for first place, five games ahead of second-place Milwaukee. The Cavaliers are in third place, followed by the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Pacers. And then in the play-in positions, you have the Magic, the Heat, the Bulls, and the Hawks with the Nets a game and a half back. In the Western Conference, things are pretty close with the top four being separated by a single game. The Thunder and the Timberwolves tied atop the conference with the Nuggets in third and the Clippers in fourth. And then the Kings and the Suns in fifth and sixth. And then in the play-in spots, you have the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Jazz with the Rockets. Just a single game back. We'll get to some NHL notes. NHL announcing two uh, pretty cool international things. is They announced a tournament in 2025. I, mean, I think I understood the All-Star game won't take place next year because of this tournament a four-team tournament with the US, Canada, Finland, and Sweden. So it will be, I think, the Four Nations tournament, it's called. So um, there will actually be some games in Boston. So that will be kind of cool. So that is that will be a pretty neat international tournament. And then the NHL also announcing during All-Star Weekend that uh, the NHL will return to the Olympics in 2026. So. That will definitely be something to look forward to. I'm pretty excited for the NHL being back in the Olympics. It's been tough not seeing them the last couple of years, last couple of um, Olympics. So over the All-Star weekend, Connor McDavid wins the skills event. It was a pretty cool way that they did the events this year. I think it was 12 players going through a series of events. Depending on how well they did, they got points for it. Um, and then he qualified for the last event, which was like a obstacle course that McDavid won. No surprises there, but um, I thought it was a pretty cool thing that the NHL decided to do to kind of focus on the individual guy's skills for you know winning a competition. So that was pretty cool. Austin Matthews uh, put on a show for Team Matthews at the All Star game on uh, Saturday. Uh, So he won the MVP. And then a couple of other notes. Jack Hughes is close to returning to the Devils lineup as he has missed some time. And the Penguins are signing former Oilers forward Jesse Puyarvi through next season. So he will be signed the next two years. So I'll take a quick look at the standings here. The NHL gets back to work tonight, actually. There are two games on the schedule, the Islanders and the Maple Leafs and the Avalanche and the Rangers. So at the All-Star break, here we are. The Bruins atop the Eastern Conference and atop the Atlantic with a five-point lead over Florida, 71-66. to And then Tampa Bay, 12 points back in third place. In the Metro, the Rangers still lead the division two points over the Hurricanes and then seven points over third-place Philadelphia. And then the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings tied in points, and they both lead the wild-card spots, a six-point lead over the Islanders. In the Central, over in the West, you have Colorado, Dallas, and Winnipeg. Two points apart, Colorado, Dallas. And Winnipeg the top three there in the Pacific Vancouver a seven-point lead over Vegas for second and then 12 points over Edmonton for third and then Los Angeles and St. Louis in the wildcard spots with Nashville even in points with St. Louis. So actually I forgot I realized I forgot to list the NBA games that are happening tonight 7 p.m. start for the Lakers and the Hornets, also for the Kings and Cavaliers and the Mavericks and the Sixers, and then at 7.30 the Clippers and the Hawks, also at 7.30 Warriors, and the Nets at 7.30 on NBA TV, and then Toronto and New Orleans at 8 o'clock. So i give you some baseball notes before we let you guys go. The uh, Orioles made a trade over the weekend, getting Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers. Pretty serious addition for the Orioles, as they'll probably be one of the favorites in the American League this season. Adrian Beltre, that uh, got selected into the Hall of Fame recently, will go in as a Ranger. Had one year with the Red Sox, which was pretty memorable. Uh, 2010 played really well for that team. And Carlos Santana agreeing to rejoin the Twins for his second tour of duty there. So I think it's probably going to do it for me this week. Uh, I know a little bit shorter, not a lot of not a lot of news um, on the Patriots and the Bruins and the Red Sox in particular, but uh, should have more for you next week with the Bruins getting back to work getting in some games Um, but yeah we will be back with you folks on friday guest friday talking about the celtics depending on the timing maybe a preview of the trade deadline maybe a recap but we will for sure let you guys know so we will talk to you then everyone have a great week